several months ago, I read this book, or started into reading this book. It's called The Longbow, the Schooner, and the Violin, Wood and Human Achievement. So whenever I see a book like that, I order it, because I know there's going to be a sermon in there somewhere. And lo and behold, there are four sermons in the Theology of Wood that uh, we're going to be uh, entering into and experiencing over the next month here at Marteloup Church. So good morning, everybody. Welcome to our church. Belated Happy New Year to all of you who I haven't shaken your hand yet. Today we start that series by, uh, we're following a uh, Reformed theological kind of meta-narrative arc with creation, and then we're going to look at the fall. So we're going to talk about creation and trees and where wood comes from and God's gift to build a world through trees and wood. And then next week, the fall, all God's good created things can sometimes be used for less than good purposes. And so we're going to look at the story of the longbow, a weapon of mass destruction that was used to absolutely destroy the armies of other countries when those wars happened hundreds of years ago, and what it means that creation falls short. Week three, we're going to talk about the gift of wood and working with wood and how that can be a redemptive process for those who work with wood. I've been talking with six woodworkers. They're coming out of the woodwork. Um, seriously, they, I posted on, on, on social media, and they're just all kind of showing up with ideas. And, and this week, meeting with five of them in a friend's wood shop in Glenbrook, and we're just going to talk about how this work of working with wood redeems you and gives you life and makes you more you, and then drawing that out to the rest of us who aren't big woodworkers. I'm a bit of a woodworker, so this is a natural subject for me. And then week four, we're going to take one of Wood's greatest creations and unpack it as a text, the violin. And so a friend of mine who's a violinist with the Lily Quartet said yes. She's got a concert on Saturday night. She's got one Sunday afternoon, but she would slip us in in between the two and do three pieces for that particular service. So we're going to listen to God's word through music, through wood, through that message on a violin. So I'm excited, right? How fun that we get to do this as a church. Fifteen years ago, a little pre-intro, and then we're going to sing and do our normal thing here. I preached a sermon on a tree, but not just any tree. I preached a sermon on the giant California, California redwood, officially called Sequoia sempervirens, the tallest living organism on earth, grown from a seed about that big. You could almost tell a parable about that. And I learned that some of those trees are over 3,000 years old. So a whole bunch of them were growing and having a life when Jesus was growing and having a life and walking our planet. And one of the coolest things I learned about Sequoia sempervirens was that coast redwoods get about a third of their water from the fogs that roll in off the Pacific. Good thing. Alan Jacobs writes, because it's no easy trick to lift water 350 feet in the air, which is what some of these titans do. 
In order to grow as big as they're made to grow, Sequoia Semperverans draw sustenance from not just their roots, but from an additional source that God has providentially given them. Which, if you're tracking where I'm going to go right now, that's sort of like our church vision, right? We're rooted in the scriptures and Christian tradition and how to know God through the Bible. But we're also a church that believes that God's wisdom can't be engaged through the fogs that roll in every once in a while in life. God speaks through and sustains us through soil and fog. So, this month, looking for God's wisdom through the text that is wood, made by God, therefore reveals something about God. What does wood teach us about who you are, Lord? That's been my question for a couple of weeks now. Spirit of God, show me and show us through this beautiful creation of yours more of who you are. Okay, join me in a prayer, and then we're going to sing in response, and then we'll get into the message on that topic. So, Lord, that, that is our prayer. Um, I'm sure everybody gathered here um, from a different direction, in a different place, on a different part of the journey of the way that is you, um, has come here to, to know God more and to experience truth, to be comforted by your presence, to know what it is to have God as our source of shade on our right hand, to know you through green and beauty and trees, other people, all these little saplings gathered together in this place. So God, with that motivation, all of us from different places meet us in this place now and be as real and true to us here now with us as all of those trees that are surrounding our building are right now, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 2007, geologists from the New York State Museum found, actually builders found, and then the museum found, fossilized a fossilized, fully intact, eight-meter-high, roughly 385-million-year-old tree near the town of Gilboa. More correctly, it was a pre-tree, because it doesn't, didn't quite look like the trees as we know them today. This tree was more of an overgrown fern on a palm tree trunk. And it had no leaves yet, it just had increasingly small branches. And it grew in a forest that bordered on an ancient inland sea that covered most of New York State and Pennsylvania at the time. And here we have a photo of first the, a petrified section of the trunk on that side. And then in the middle, an early artist's depiction of the whole tree. And then another illustration done for the journal Nature when this story first came out. And in his wonderful book, The Longbow, the Schooner, and the Violin, Marc de Villiers wrote 
these words about that tree. He said it was a leftover part of the first greening of earth, the original afforestation of the planet, the beginning of the three trillion or so trees we acknowledge today. And I remember reading those words as I'm reading them. I couldn't help but hear a faint echo of God's voice from the book of Genesis. Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And when God spoke those words, God surely had this pre-tree in mind, officially named a Watiza. In the beginning, God created trees, a wide and broad diversity of trees, a large number of trees, trees made out of wood, wood with all kinds of world-filling world, world and world-building potential. Trees are among the most prominent and critical organisms on earth, Yet we are only recently, and this was written in 2015, only recently beginning to comprehend in 2015 their global extent and distribution. In 2015, a Yale study, Yale University study, estimated that they were that figure that was quoted by de Villiers, 3.04 trillion trees on Earth. About seven and a half times what most previous estimates were of the number of trees on the earth. That's roughly 400 trees for each of you. Steward them well. Another study concluded this. Our results indicate that there are 73,000 tree species globally, among which 9,000 tree species are yet to be discovered. <laughs> Yet to be discovered, 9,000 species. And of course, each of these species generates a different kind of wood. So on Tuesday night, we're meeting with a handful of woodwood workers in Herm Stolte's garage, and then hopefully we're going to work to his basement because he has a valued collection of 700 samples of different woods. He's on the like Canadian World Wood Council or something. And that's what you do when you're on, that's how you get on that council. But each of those woods, all of these species with different properties and therefore different potentials, all of them together, arguably, enabling an infinite number of world-filling contributions that enable human flourishing. All of that, a gift from the mind of God. Each different kind of wood, born out of God's imagination and creativity. Let the land produce trees according to their various kinds. And that word kind must have just echoed out into all of those different species. All of you different species. Each kind of wood uniquely reflecting God's wisdom. Each variant a particular pointer to something 
of the mind of their maker, via their utility or their beauty or their color or their texture or their workability or their unworkability. E each tree known by God, a, a creature whose name God knew before any of us put names on any of those species. A creature called by God to serve God in a tree-like way to serve and honor and worship God. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. And, and how do trees sing? They sing by taking all of that CO2 out of the air and putting O2 into the air so that, thank God, we don't <laughs> heat things up as fast as they could be heated up on our planet. They, they help us breathe. Thank you, trees. They, they sing by voicing the unique sound that each individual tree or tree species makes when the wind blows through their canopy. So if you go for winter walks in Calgary, there are some trees who sing some pretty beautiful songs, some much louder than others, with hanging seeds just all rattling in a beautiful Chinook wind. They sing by offering up their wood so that we can build a better life. Tre trees are a, a bio-parable spoken by God, revealing God, telling us what God is calling us to do and be and how to live our human lives. They're preaching just over there across the street, a park full of them. Notice on the way home. I mean, if only we human beings praised God as consistently as trees do. And God, again, has woven his wisdom into each species into trees. Jesus knew it when he said, God's kingdom is like an acorn that a farmer plants. It's quite small as seeds go, but in the course of years it grows into a huge oak tree, and eagles build nests in it. Eagles build nests in trees, but so do young boys, right? <laughs> I remember all the childhood in a huge weeping willow at the bottom of the hill in our backyard. I mean, we lived there all summer with the birds. We build nests in trees when we harvest wood to make joists and studs and rafters so that we can have our wood frame homes that most of us live in. Trees teach us how to honor God in the utility and through the utility of our lives. And they sing by pointing us to what a well-rooted life of faith ought to be, where it ought to be, how it can grow, what its potential to grow can be. That person whose life is rooted in God, the psalmist writes, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. So trees model 
a healthy life of faith. We ought to let our lives be discipled by those trees across the street, in your neighborhood, in our world. I had another moment reading de Villiers' book this week when he started to get into the cellular science of trees. And he said uh, a very succinct and simple definition of what wood is, that the best way to think about wood is as bundles of minute straws glued together, the straws being cellulose fibers and the glue lignin. And as soon as I read the words, I thought about first-year structural engineering back in Toronto, and uh, this sounds a lot like concrete with metal inside, uh, metal bars, which are great in tension, and the concrete cement, which is good in compression. And so the next sentence he writes is that cellulose is strong in tension, and lignin is strong in compression. And this is how concrete works. This is how structural engineering in terms of uh, suspension bridges work. This is how structures work. Materials held in tension and compression. And of course, some woods have much stronger cellulose fibers or more lignin, which then makes those woods stronger, and some less so. Anyway, thinking about already at a cellular level the number of permutations and possibilities in terms of the strength of the lignin and the cellulose straws. Ramping that out, I mean, how many, again, possibilities are there, Lord, for wood? When you marry the material possibilities of wood then with the human capacities and imaginations, because that woodworker has a different imagination than that one does, than that one does. Over time, than that one does. <laughs> Over time, with varying and growing levels of technology, it, I mean, truly, the possibilities are infinite in terms of what we can make out of wood. Oak has high dimensional stability. So when I went out looking for very skinny shelves to make a bookshelf in the back, on the back wall of our dining room for all of Fran's infinite number of books, oh, I, I, I've made a lot of bookshelves in my, life, in my life. When I needed long spans with minimal supports, so it kind of floated there, oak, quarter inch thick, and it does a four foot span with no problem. Balsa wood is light and airy. Ergo, we make those toy gliders. <laughs> really? Come on. Do you remember? How absolutely amazing. And I always got the ones with the elastics. And I would wind it so, after the end of the first day, so much that the body would snap because I was putting so much tension. But it was so joy-giving. Western red cedar bends well. I learned a few years ago when I was interviewing the wood engineering company that did the entrance for the Calgary Public Library, and that's all Western red cedar. Quartersawn, north-facing Sitka spruce from Alaska, from young trees only because of their unique density, is the only wood for a Steinway piano soundboard. 
Thank you, Ian Brown from the Globe and Mail, for writing about that last week in the paper. Birch is great for the fireplace. If you ever go to Burnco or the wood retailers in towns, never buy the pine, right? Always buy the birch. Um, because it doesn't pop, it doesn't spark, it burns well, the coals go for a long time. And so blacksmiths over history have always used birch because of those properties. And then it mostly burns itself up, so they didn't have to clean out their kilns as often. Willow and poplar are ideal for biofuels because they're so fast growing and can be densely planted together. Spruce, pine, and fir are good for paper, for paper, for books. I know how absolutely shameless that, that image is up there right now. Cedar for totem poles. Manitoba maple, I learned yesterday, great for turning. You can turn pine or cherry, but pine is just so messy and sappy and work with maple, Manitoba maple, if you're going to turn a table leg. And Pacific yew is what you're going to want to look for if you're looking for the anti-cancer drug, Taxol. And we live in a world with all kinds of folk remedies based on all kinds of plants and trees, but this is one of the few trees that has been scientifically proven to have this product, Taxol, in it. It's the only drug, Taxol, that requires an, an environmental impact study to develop the drug. And on and on and on and on. And when I think about all that wood can be, I start to wonder, like, who really is leading this process of all these things coming to be? The designers, the builders, the, the artisans? or the wood itself. A friend of mine, Alan Roxburgh in Vancouver, a theologian, said he listens to wood when he's about to build something, <laughs> talks to it. Again, this is how God made our world. Filled it with wood and all kinds of good materials out of which more can be made. Said two trees and woodworkers, have at it. Continue the creation process I started and work with these materials I've made and experience the joy of the making that I felt and make more. God made carbon atoms after a whole series of supernovas so that we got more than just the original three elements 13.8 billion years ago through a whole series of supernovas in our universe made carbon eventually, which ended up as about 50% of most trees and then made more out of those trees through us. God is a God who makes more out of things. God made us like himself to be the kind of people who bear God's image by making more out of things so that God's world can become God's world and we can become ourselves. 
That, that's God's Genesis calling. Fill the earth. God's calling to people and God's calling to trees, evidently. Be a tree. Serve in all of these ways. Send out your roots into this world. Become a table, a home, a violin. And then when you're done, go back to the earth so that more trees can come. Trees are really good at that, much better than we are at that. And it just struck me this week that wood, that wood is really good at life, death, redemption, renewal, at that circle. It's such a compelling thought that wood means a lot in its life as a tree. Who would argue that, right? But equally, does not wood mean as much in its death and then renewal into a new thing that the wood then becomes? Sound familiar? Wood in a wood-like way images the life and death and resurrection of Christ. Wood in its own way goes according to the grain of the universe made through Christ. Jesus lived a beautiful human life those 30 some odd years. Oh, those parables and the love. But then he died and resurrected and arguably, surely became more himself than any of us could have imagined. Every tree, every wood product you, you've ever seen or held is a pointer to that truth. To the magnificent transformation that is the person of Jesus Christ. To God's always making more out of things heart. to God's always wanting to make more out of you whose name God knows, your heart. Because you matter that much. Because like wood, you're made for more. Think about whose hands you're in. You're in the hands of a carpenter. Literally, Jesus was a builder, right? Working for his dad. He knew what it was like to look at a piece of wood and listen to it and make something more out of it. Who knew how he knew it? Did he know, knowing why he was there and where it was going and what this was going to mean when he transformed a piece of wood? Did he know? Jesus knows there's different species and different kinds of wood. He knows each of you by name. Calls all of us from where we're at to himself. All different, right? Like I know probably more than anyone in this room who you are, a little bit more than you may know others in this room, but everyone in this room is different. 
There are some people that are so light, they're just made to fly. And there are others who are so hard and so strong, they're made to bear weight. There in this community, and I'm happy to say, there are lots that are very bendable and flexible <laughs> and not intransigent and locked in. And there are beautiful grains running through lives here and color. The carpenter knows what to make of you being you in whatever way you're you. Like a woodworker picking up a piece of raw lumber and looking at it, seeing a potential that the wood could never know for itself, looking at you. He knows your species. He knows your name. He knows where you're planted. He knows you. And he's making something new out of you. Join me in a prayer. God, thank you for how this thing that you made, this wood that makes up all the trees that uh, become all that we've just been talking about and infinitely more, that that points to you, the maker of all things new, and such a compelling, uh, right beside us, uh, letting us sit on the truth and hold the truth and mold the truth and look at the truth and be sustained by the truth kinds of ways. And we pray, and I pray, that all of us here now, now and, and this afternoon and this week, every time we see a tree, you'll remind us by your spirit. Every time we handle wood uh, or look at wood in our lives, we'll be reminded by your spirit. Every time, in every way, uh, to the fullest extent, in a way that is beautiful and true and artistic and creative and imaginative and compelling, in every way, we would come to know you more through this one small gift of trees and wood that you give us. And that in the knowing, we'd be transformed. We'd know the God in behind things. Through that sacred text, it's you we seek, God. That in knowing you more, everything would change. So hear this, our prayer, we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.